Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM 80, and your smart speaker. You can get in on the Dr. Pepper call online at 888-SAY-ESPN. At Paul Hembo for Hembo on Twitter. I am Evan Cohen at Evco Radio in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me with Chris Canty, Michelle Smallman, unsportsmanlike 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. You know, you and I like to screw around, have fun, make fun of each other. Mm-hmm. And we do that. There's a lot of breaking news today that we actually have to be serious yeah, for a, a couple of seconds serious here. serious sports stuff. A little much, right? I, I, don't, up with I, this? I don't like all this stuff. When are we getting to the donation of underwear <laughs> like you did yesterday? <laughs> I, I mean, am I here on the wrong day? Like, underwear donation is where I belong. That's, that's your day. And then yeah. Greeny Green needs to be here on the day in which the, the Bears... Don't fire their coach for some reason. Well, isn't he interviewing for a GM job uh, in Carolina? Yes, but that's, that's – yes. He's planning to and, and to do that job swap. Um, I actually think he would make a decent GM. He seems to think not. I, I thought about this. Mm-hmm. I think – and this is just me backing up the guy that I – you know, whose show I work on, but <laughs> I think Greeny would be so much better as a GM than some random guy you pluck off the street would be at hosting Get Up. What an odd comparison, Cam. Mm. Well, we were talking about yesterday if they swapped – Right. Uh, Mike Greenberg, who works on this show, and uh, you guys might know him, uh, and Mike Greenberg, the Bucks assistant GM, who is interviewing for the Panthers' GM job, if they swap for a day, who would be better at that job? I think it would be easier to hide an incompetent GM than hide an incompetent TV host. Yeah, NFL teams do it all the time. Right. <laughs> so I don't think that's a perfect comparison, though, because Green is in the sports world. I think you would need something... More similar, you know, like my sister being like the GM of the Panthers, okay. and uh, she uh, thought Aaron right. Rodgers guys, was a baseball player. Guys, 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 guys. Just because you're in the sports world does not mean you could be a general manager of a team. We are like, yes, we are in the sports world, but it's one day. No, but really, we're in the broadcast world. That uh, does Brody that, Van Wagenen did a pretty good job. Did he <laughs> with the Mets? Debatable. I mean, I'm just uh, uh, Edwin Diaz. All right, well, now we're gonna get Hembo woken up with his ridiculous. Analytic baseball stuff. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Let's get back I'm, to reality. I'm here. warming up here. We should yeah, get back I, to football. You know, let's, let's cool him off if mm. we could. <laughs> All right. So we have breaking news here. Matt Eberflus coming back to the Bears 2024 will be their head coach per Adam Schefter. The Bears have made moves on their offensive side of the ball. They have fired their offensive coordinator, Luke Getze. Now, what does this mean for the future of the Chicago Bears, who have the number one pick? In the NFL draft, we just talked to Courtney Cronin, uh, of course, who covers the Bears for us here at ESPN, and she made it very clear that she believes this is a sign in the direction of Caleb Williams, not Justin Fields. My beef with all of this, Hembo, and we don't know this not to be true just yet, but my beef with this is if you're bringing him back, him being Matt Eberflus, bring him back for a longer period of time. Make his overall job status less of a gray area and more black and white. He's under contract for the next however many years. Give him a contract extension to make this clean that this is the guy you believe he is going to get better and better and better and grow like Dan Campbell did in that same division who was not very good early on and who has gotten a lot better as a head coach. If I were a Chicago Bears fan right now, I would be absolutely livid because over the last decade plus, my organization has behaved with less conviction, 
with less confidence, um, with less structure than any in the entire league. Um, I think Matt Eberflus did a reasonably good job this season, given the roster that he had. We saw, we saw considerable growth year over year in both the offense and the defense. But the problem that the Bears have is that they don't ever align the things properly, as Courtney Cronin um, told us last hour. That combined with the fact that Mike Vrabel, Bill Belichick, and Jim Harbaugh are, are available equals I'm really upset. Because if I'm a Bears fan, I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to do one of two things. To lean into the guy that we have, extend him so we can provide a clear future for this organization, or go big game hunting. And this is the first offseason, maybe in recent memory, when you can point to three different head coaching candidates this attractive. And instead, there's a non-zero chance that we're doing neither. When you combine that with the difficult decision that they're going to have to make with the number one pick, which of course is a good problem to have, but a problem nonetheless, I would be a lot less confident right this second in the future of that team that I would expect to be given their set of circumstances. And what's interesting is the guy who's in charge, Kevin Warren, didn't hire Matt Eberfield. Mm. This is not like, hey, I'm keeping my guy. Right. This is somebody else's guy, right? I mean, he took over after Matt Eberflus was hired, if I'm not mistaken, That's here, right. as team president. So it's not like you're keeping your own in this spot. I think where Kevin Clark, who's a great writer in a podcast with Omaha here at ESPN, brought up an interesting point on Twitter. When was the last time a coach narrowly survived getting fired and then became successful after that? Hmm. He said he's racking his brain and cannot come up with one. Tom I- Coughlin. Great one. 06. Almost got fired after the Eagles beat them in the playoffs and they won the Super Bowl the next year. Very good one. Not saying that's going to happen in Chicago, but it now, has happened. Now, rarely. the counter, Cam, that's a phenomenal answer. The counter, though, is Tom Coughlin had a, an extreme level of success in Jacksonville. There was proof of concept. Tom Coughlin was somebody that went to, if I'm not mistaken, an AFC championship game against the Broncos and lost, mm-hmm. I want to say, at one point, and had that level of success. Tom Coughlin was a successful head coach in college at BC. Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin was on the Giants staff in 86 and 90, or just one of the two, as, a, as an assistant coach and won a Super Bowl. Tom Coughlin's level of success is greater than that of Matt Eberflus's level of success, specifically at the job they have, which is head coach. But this is interesting because we are in a quick-hook world in the NFL. Everyone gets fired really quickly. You are sitting here and saying that as an Eagles fan, Hembo, I would be interested in Nick Sirianni in year two losing his job. Year three. Year three losing his job after year two going to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. I even think there's an argument that firing Belichick is a quick hook because 20 years one way, four years another way, I'm going to trust the 20 more than the four. And I understand the quarterback looks different. But we live in a world in the NFL where it is such a quick hook at all times yeah. that the Bears in some ways are zigging when others are – or they're zagging when others are zigging, however you want to look at it, by actually saying, you know what? This is a process. Growth needs to take place. It doesn't necessarily happen overnight that we are going to stay with the guy. To me, there's more of a logic behind this than maybe the Jets keeping Robert Sala – Right? Or, there's or, no logic behind there's that. No, well, there is because the, the person in charge of the organization wants him to. Who's that? Aaron Rodgers. Right. There's no logic in that. Right. There's no logic in that part of it. But this whole situation is, in today's day and age in the NFL, considered abnormal. If there's a debate about whether or not the guy should be the guy, you just fire him. Not in this case, though, with the Bears. Yeah, bizarre. So my, my objection with the Bears is not solely in their decision to retain Matt Eberflus. It's that, that the Bears are always operating on different wavelengths. There are four people that matter more than any other in an NFL organization. The owner, the general manager, the head coach, and the quarterback. And in the Bears' case, over the last decade plus, those four people have rarely, if ever, been on the same page. In the NFL, it's near impossible to win. It's very difficult to have sustained success if you have all four of those people pulling on the rope at the same speed. 
The Bears never have that. So maybe this is the Bears saying, no, we're going to do that. We're going to put our full um, confidence behind Matt Eberflus. But I'll tell you what, if you read Shefty's tweet again, the way that he describes Matt Eberflus' uh, situation, in which he specifically points out for 2024, what that tells me is that that guy's in a prove-it year. At least that's what we know right now, and that is the absolute worst way to conduct your business. Then extend him. 100%. Or say nothing. And what I mean by that is just because he's not fired now doesn't mean he couldn't be fired later. Later this offseason. I mean, the candidate pool that we currently have. Stacked. No. Stacked. Hold on. Not yet. Does not currently include Bill Belichick. Does not currently include Jim Harbaugh. Does currently include Mike Vrabel. So maybe the Bears move is saying absolutely nothing. Saying, hey, he's under contract. And then when the candidate pool becomes greater, then potentially making a move. Oh, by the way, I'm going to ask one other question on this. Did the Bears have assurances from Caleb Williams that he wants to play for them slash Matt Eberflus? Because is it crazy to think that Caleb Williams could pull the Eli Manning and say, no, I don't want to play there? Is that crazy to think? I just want to know that if I'm bringing Eberflus back, it's because the guy that I'm going to build around in Caleb Williams from USC wants to be here with him. Do you think that Caleb Williams is eager to play quarterback under Matt Eberflus? If you had to just take a wild guess, knowing no information. I would think that he probably does not know as much about Eberflus as he does other coaches. Because guess what? You and I work in this industry where our knowledge is important. We don't know as much about Eberflus as we do other coaches. Mm -hmm. It's not like he's sitting there saying, my choices are Eberflus, Vrabel, Belichick, and Harbaugh. We could tell you every – we know Harbaugh's parents' names. Not hard, Jack and Jackie, right? But we know so much about those guys – Eberflus, while we know a lot about, I don't know that he's a household name. No, he's a pretty anonymous NFL coach yeah. by, their, by their standards. Correct. So Shefty's language is, Matt Eberflus officially, officially is expected to return for the 2024 season. I guess there is, is some... Expe- there's, there's gray area there. There is... That is, you're right. After reading that again, and look, Shefty is exceedingly precise with, with his, his language. He, he does... Ev- every word is intentional. And I would because assume he's great at what he does, and he he wants to volunteer. Here's if I had to bet mm-hmm. without speaking to him or knowing anything about this situation, I would bet whatever Adam Schefter got was from whatever reliable source or sources that he got it from, with the caveat of, but if Harbaugh, Belichick, or Vrabel come out and, and tell the Bears that's the job they want, subject to change. Or if Caleb Williams expresses to us that he wants someone else, <laughs> subject, subject to change. Subject to change. Interesting. Right? Wouldn't you think? Again, read the tweet again, Hembo. Matt Eberflus officially is expected to return for the 2024 season. That's the most important piece of the tweet. There is some gray area there. You're you're 100% right. I'm not surprised that they let go of the offensive coaching staff to the extent to which they did. I think those guys, generally speaking, were pretty bad at their jobs. But it, to me, makes much less sense when you retain the head coach, we think and have no reason to believe that they're extending him. This is, this is the Bears being the Bears, and I don't like when the Bears are the Bears. We are Greeny here on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen from Unsportsmanlike, in for Greeny today. You could be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call online. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the ones fans deserve. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. You're good. We, in the last hour, went through the half a dozen available jobs and, you know, de facto ranked them. The thought just occurred to me that I'm not so sure that if the Bears job became available, it wouldn't be the most attractive job available because you are dealing with 
a situation in which you have the number one pick in the country, the number nine pick in the country, $100 million in cap space, and an asset in Justin Fields that you can either decide to keep or get a second or third round draft pick for. I'm not so sure if that if you look at those set of, that, that set of circumstances that it's not more favorable than Washington or Philly or New England or anywhere else. Is that a stretch to say? Well, I don't know what the circumstances are yet because who's making these decisions? Is it Kevin Warren, the president? Is it the ownership group of McCaskey? Like, I don't know exactly how we're getting to a place of Eberflus here. Better question then. If, if every team's coach, for whatever reason, were made available in a draft and, we're, and coaches are then picking where they go, I think the Chicago Bears coaching job will get snatched up before any of the other ones available or potentially available. Here's why you're wrong about that. Hmm. Wouldn't the agents for all of those coaches that we're talking about make it known that the Bears are the job that they want? Jim Harbaugh played there. Played there. Jim Harbaugh is probably most known from an NFL perspective as a player with the Chicago Bears. But he and Kevin Warren aren't exactly boys. Okay. Well, Jim Harbaugh's not boys with anyone. I (laughs) I mean, Jim Harbaugh's not boys with himself, right? I mean, and many of us are not. That's part of life and mental health that we need to actually work on, all of us. Fair enough. And by that, I mean me. Um, But if that were the case... Why would that not be the case? Like, for example, I remember a few years ago when Mike McCarthy was fired by the Packers. I thought, wow, this is going to be the one. Rodgers in his prime. People are going to line up. This is going to be the one that gets Saban to say, I want another shot at this. I'm going to, I'm going to Wisconsin. I'm in Green Bay. It's not New York. It's not L.A. It's not Chicago in terms of the pressure on from a media perspective. Wow, this is a perfect. Nobody signed up for that job. Nobody signed up to Coach Rodgers. Matt LaFleur was an offensive coordinator for the Titans slash previously with the Rams. I remember years ago, I thought the same thing with Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, they're going to get everybody now. And it was Chuck Pagano. Good coach. Wasn't this superstar name. You're saying that the public sentiment surrounding some of these openings does not always match what the applicant pool thinks of those openings. I'm saying that if the Chicago Bears are sitting here today bringing Matt Eberflus back and they are doing so with this potential candidate pool. How do you not back-channel Belichick, Harbaugh, and Vrabel to know that they are not going to want your job? Well, that's what I keep coming back to here. It's like one of the reasons why I think the Eagles should fire Nick Sirianni if they lose to Tampa Bay is not just because I'm done with Nick Sirianni. It's the other opportunities available this cycle. That, that's, the, that's the thing. Like We see teams line up their tank jobs certain years to have the ability to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May or Trevor Lawrence or fill-in-the-blank quarterback. To me, this is no exception. If, if you have a really attractive organization and your coach is not performing, in some circumstances, you decide to give him another year or two because of the availability. This year, we're talking about potentially, potentially, the best cycle that we have ever had. Potentially. Courtney Cronin, ESPN Bears reporter, joined us moments ago, and here's her update on the offensive coaching firings that make her believe Justin Fields is out in Chicago. I can't imagine them bringing in a new offensive staff and keeping Justin Fields and having him learn a third offense in four years. To me, this likely signals that they're going to use that number one pick on a quarterback unless something drastic changes and they feel that they have somebody coming in who is dead set on working with Justin Fields. You wouldn't be wanting to hitch your wagon to a head coach that might be out of a job after 2024 and a quarterback that, you know, also may be on the move. So this is where, Hembo, quickly, I disagree slightly with Courtney. Hmm. If I'm a want-to-be-again or want-to-be NFL head coach, whether Eberflus is there or not long-term, 
I'm doing the Eric Bieniemy. I'm taking my risk. I'm going to a spot where maybe I can look good. We can look good, even if the head coach doesn't look good, and I can walk into a head coaching position. I'm not trying to stab a guy in the back, right. obviously. It didn't work out for, for Eric Bieniemy because I'm sure Eric Bieniemy goes to Washington thinking, listen, if Rivera doesn't work out, they're going to give me a chance. They did not, and they're not going to. That right. is clear, obviously. I kind of look at the Bears' offensive coordinator opportunity with Caleb Williams as a 33rd head coaching opportunity because hmm. if Caleb Williams loves me and loves what I'm doing – whether we as a team are successful or not, I may have a chance to be here long-term with this guy. Maybe so, but I'm just like, as I'm perusing through the list of teams here, is there a single I mean, there, active NFL head coach that was promoted from within? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking Dennis Allen was, is he the only one? An active NFL coach that was promoted from To that within. job from within. The reason, like I don't disagree with your, your logic, with your thesis, it just happens super rarely. Looking at, I would have to look around. I know it was Freddie Kitchens that was with the um, with the, the Browns. Browns. Antonio Pierce was a little bit different midseason with the interim. Well, same um, thing with Kitchens, and then he became the head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. I don't I don't believe in the long term interim coach bump right. in general, and I think that's what in some ways you are talking about. All right, we're going to continue this conversation because obviously what Chicago did today and making it known by way of Adam Schefter is re- phenomenal reporting as always is that Matt Eberflus is going to be the head coach. So how does that impact the top of the draft and the rest of the coaching carousel? We will get to that coming up. It's Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, 
ESPN app, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen in for Greeny today. Normally hear me alongside Michelle Swalman, Chris Canty on Sportsmanlike weekdays, 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern time. The big breaking news today, 24 hours after Mike Vrabel gets fired by the Tennessee Titans, Matt Eberflus kind of gets rehired, dare I say. He is going to be, per Adam Schefter, the coach of the Bears in 2024, at least as of now. That's the way it looks. They have the number one pick in the draft. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft analyst, just released his new mock draft today on ESPN.com and ESPN Plus, and he joins us now. Jordan, how does this Eberflus news impact the Bears atop the draft? Well, I honestly don't think it goes either one way or another, and I don't think they tip their hand as far as which way that they want to go. But what I'm kind of confused about and what kind of makes it really interesting is that if I put myself in Matt Eberflus' situation, I hire a new offensive coordinator now, do I want to really hinge or hitch my wagon to a rookie quarterback just because he's probably entering a make-or-break season to where the Bears have to win next year? But also, on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, with a new offensive coordinator coming through the door, I think that puts a lot of pressure on what they want to do in Chicago. So I don't think one way or another it really uh, kind of tips their hand as far as what they want to do with the quarterback position, but I think it makes it really interesting. In your draft preparation preparation research and analysis has any indication be given to you been given to you at all Jordan that Caleb Williams is on board with Eberflus has an opinion on this like is he involved in this in any way shape or form well we really won't find out that information until we get to the combine and once they really sit down and meet with Caleb Williams or if they even decide to meet with Caleb Williams which I'm sure they will do but as far as uh, where he prefers to go or you know where does he see himself fitting in the best uh, we really won't know that information as far as it leaking out or you know, figuring out exactly what he wants to do until the combine. That's really when rumors start to leak as far as draft fits and, you know, where we really see these quarterbacks going and where these teams really prefer just because coaching staffs will be set. Uh, we'll know where the head coaches are, who the GMs are at that time. So around combine time, so in a couple months, we'll have more clarity on that type of stuff. Yeah, so Jordan, I'm looking at your mock draft right now at the on the homepage of ESPN.com and uh, not to spoil the ending, but you have, I think, what most people do at the top of the of the draft with you know Caleb Williams going 1-1 to the Bears and Drake May going second to Washington. That seems to be the sort of industry consensus right now. It's what you have. But NFL evaluators have a long and storied history of talking themselves in and out of things in the four months that elapse between the end of the college football season and draft day. Is there any chance, let's say a non-zero chance, that between now and then, Drake May or any other quarterback could pass Caleb Williams and be the first pick in the draft? Or are you willing to say that right now on January 10th, you're certain that Caleb Williams is going to go 1-1? I think Caleb's the guy. And I've felt that same way since the summer. Just because, I mean, you see the traits. He uses those traits that you love to see. Mahomes is going to be a comparison for him that you hear about him, I'm sure. Um, Kyler Murray, a bigger Kyler Murray is probably another comparison that you hear a lot about with him. But, I mean, it only takes one team, right? The Bears could trade out of that first pick and somebody else comes up and decides to take a Jaden Daniels or a Drake May. You just never know who's going to be that preferred first quarterback selected. But if the Bears do stay there, I still think Caleb is the guy. Jordan, if Justin Fields was in this draft, hypothetically, where would he rank for you? Um, So he was my second-ranked quarterback coming out in 2021, I believe it was, uh, when he was in that class with Trevor Lawrence. So in this class, uh, he would be the third-ranked guy. He would be ahead of Jaden Daniels. Uh, and I like Fields quite a bit coming out. We saw the big game that he had in, in the playoff, the big game against Clemson, where he essentially played with broken ribs, and he threw, I believe, was six touchdown passes in that game. So um, the, the biggest issue that really has always plagued Justin is just anticipation. He doesn't see, see things as quickly enough as you want him to see it. 
as far as from a quick game perspective and getting the ball out very cleanly in a quickly manner. So he still struggles with that anticipation. And then that's why we're having these questions going into year four with him as far as whether or not he's the guy in Chicago. Jordan, I have um, Marvin Harrison Jr., number one on my draft board, just in terms of how good you are at your position. He's as good a receiver as I've seen in college, or at least a as a pro prospect since like Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson. Like We're talking about like very top-of-the-food-chain type stuff. And that's why I think the third pick in the draft is the inflection point here, because it's New England. Presume, uh, we're going to presume that quarterbacks are going to go 1-2, and you have the opportunity to take what might be the third best quarterback in the draft or a potential generational wide receiver, which has become a premium position in the NFL. How do you weigh the pros and cons of that decision? This is actually a pick that I went back and forth mm. about. I could see New England trading out just because I think they're so far away. Like Just looking at their offensive personnel, I asked the editors under draft needs, could I put everything on offense? And they were like, no, we have to be very specific just because they have so many needs. They need, I think they need two new, two new tackles. They need a quarterback, obviously. And then just their skill position guys at wide receiver are just so bad. And if you think about it, just looking at the Patriots and their draft history, the last skill position player that they have had success with as far as drafting early was Rob Gronkowski. So they have just done a horrific job as far as drafting uh, skill position players as far as weapons on the perimeter. But Marvin Harrison Jr. could be a possibility. But I just think whenever you have an opportunity to take, to take a quarterback, especially inside the top three, you have to do it. But just it would be such a disadvantageous situation to drop a quarterback into that situation just because the personnel is so bad on the perimeter. So I ended up going with Jaden Daniels, but it wouldn't surprise me if they do end up selecting Marvin Harrison Jr. just because of how special he is. It is Greeny here on ESPN Radio, along with Hembo Evan Cohen in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me on Sportsmanlike with Canty and Michelle. Weekdays 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern. We are coming to you live above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. For those just tuning in, Matt Eberflus is going to be back with the Bears. That's the breaking news per Adam Schefter coming up for next year. Jordan Reed is joining us, ESPN NFL Draft Analyst. Go to .com, your app, his story, his mock draft, his front page, front and center right there. Let's go now, Jordan, to the national championship game. Michael Penix Jr., Washington, J.J. McCarthy, Michigan. How did both of them help or hurt themselves on Monday night, and where do you have them slotted right now? So I have them four and five. Right now I have Penix at four and then McCarthy at five, but I think there's a lot of context that you need to add. Or now add that's fourth and fifth ranked quarterbacks, not fourth and fifth in the yeah, draft, correct. correct? Yeah, okay, got correct. it. Yes, yeah. Correct, yes, correct. So I have both of them with second-round grades, but I think McCarthy, as we get closer to the draft process, and he still hasn't declared he has a huge decision to make, but as we get closer to the process, I think there's going to be some teams that really convince themselves that he can be more of what he showed at Michigan. And if you think about it, he's 20 years old. He's really decisive. He's great off play action. He's a winner. Those are all the traits that teams love when you're talking about selecting a quarterback inside of the first round. And yes, I know he was in an offense that didn't ask him to do a lot. So I think there's going to be some GM or some head coach that convinced themselves that he can eventually become a quarterback that you can win because of on the next level, and Michigan's offense really didn't cater to him and really expand on his development just because, I mean, if I'm winning, handing off the ball to Blake Corham and Donovan Edwards 30 to 35 times a game, I'm going to continue to do that. But with J.J. McCarthy, I think there's some things that he can show more of on the next level. Now, do I think he's ready right away? I don't think so. I think he's going to have to enter a situation of where you have a bridge guy ahead of him just because I don't think he can throw him into the NFL game. I think there's going to be a lot of things that are just – disadvantageous for him right away but as far as having a bridge in front of him and eventually becoming a starter I really could see somebody convincing themselves that J.J. McCarthy can be more than what he is currently I'm going 12 to the Broncos in my mock draft I definitely like that fit there they could sign a a veteran like 
um, like a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that um, to have in front of him while uh, they cater him and then try to catch him up to speed uh, while he sits. But, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams that like J.J. McCarthy, in my opinion. And on the losing side, uh, I, I think Michael Penix Jr. has kind of all the attributes of someone, Jordan, that I could really see slipping in the draft. I mean, he's going to play next year as a rookie in the NFL at 24 years old. We know that he yeah. had four season-ending injuries in his college career, twice the knee, of course. How much do you think that those factors are going to weigh when you compare the tape, which this season at Washington was about as good as any player in the country? I think there's two words that really come down. Or If you're looking for a snapshot of his scouting report, I think there's two words, durability and mobility. I think those are the two words that it boils down to. Either you're going to be comfortable with the medicals or not. I mean, it's the worst-kept secret he's had, four season-ending injuries in as many seasons. But the past two seasons, he's been basically injury-free. And we saw some of those durability concerns pop up in the title game. I mean, he was bruised and battered in that game. And credit to him for sticking in there and finishing the game. But a lot of the warts in Michael Penix's junior, Michael Penix's junior scouting report really came up in that game. Um, he had some concerns as far as throwing the ball over the middle of the field. And if you think about it, Michigan's defense, they flooded the sideline to the bottom of the numbers in that game. They wanted to force him to throw the ball in the middle of the field. And it hasn't been great over the middle of the field. That's the big question mark about him. But also the mobility and the passing numbers are great. Like he has outstanding deep accuracy. We saw, I call him the javelin deep balls that he throws in the Texas game. He was phenomenal in that game. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to make throws at all three levels of the field. And then also, it's a game catering more towards mobile quarterbacks to where you have to be able to create not only inside the pocket, but outside the pocket. And two stats that I found with Penix that are very worrisome is that when his feet are planted, he actually has a 69% completion percentage. But when you force him to move off of the spot, it drops all the way down to 46%. So I think that's something that either you're going to be comfortable with or not with Penix, but if you trust him to eventually become your starting quarterback, he's going to have to go to a situation that has a very good setup from a weapon standpoint and then also a very strong offensive line as well. Jordan, great job. People check out his work, ESPN.com, ESPN+. Plus. Jordan Reed, ESPN NFL draft analyst. His mock draft, his latest mock draft, just released, ESPN.com. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, guys. All right, there's Jordan Reed joining us here in Greeny on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, along with Hembo, Evan Cohen, in for Greeny today. Normally you hear me on Sportsmanlike mornings here on ESPN Radio. I had this realization, Hembo. Monday night, we watched the national championship game. First quarter entertaining, fourth quarter entertaining. The middle of the game is kind of blah, right? I was thinking to myself, what was missing? I'm going to say it. I'll get ripped on for saying it. I went to a Big Ten school at the University of Wisconsin. We missed the SEC. (laughs) We just did. I mean, think about how much juicier... This entire college football playoff would have been if you put the Michigan-Washington game as a semifinal and Michigan-Alabama was the final. Exact same scenarios of how we got there, or I'm sorry, those two games. But if I just applied Michigan-Alabama overtime to the national championship and that exact game played out that way, a seven-point win, versus what we saw in in the actual finals, because you probably know this considering you're unbelievable with numbers. If you look at the 10 title games that we have had, all right. Since the college football playoff started, mm-hmm. the average margin of victory in the national championship game is 20.1 points per game. If you take out the outlier of last year, the 65-7 Georgia TCU game, the 58-point drubbing, they're 15.8 points per game. It is a two-score differential in the national championship game every single year. We missed the SEC. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think the, the best two teams in the country at the end of the season were Michigan and Georgia who obviously didn't get the opportunity to, to, to play for the national championship and presumably will next year when we expand to 12 teams. 
Uh, I think the Big Ten actually is going to be exceedingly competitive, though. Like I think the uh, not, perhaps yeah, not one of the Big Ten team and one of the SEC teams on the same footing as the SEC, probably not. But when you add Washington and you add Oregon and when you add USC, we're shaping up to have an AFC versus NFC type clash. And I'd love to see them do some kind of like SEC Big Ten like regular challenge. season challenge, like they do in hoops. Oh, it would be magnificent! Like right before the conference season starts, that's like that's the thing that's going to make people billions of dollars, and I won't see a cent of it. But why is it that we miss the SEC? Like, do you just oh, miss it a, just means more? Do you just Cam. miss it, it close does. games though? Because yeah. I'll, Almost all of these games have had SEC teams, and you just said a lot of them have been blowouts. I know, but there's, here's, here's why, Cam. I don't when, think they're the same thing, though. Well, here's what I'm saying. When Washington loses the national championship game, it's, wow, what a season. They had, I mean, Kalen DeBoer needs to be on our radar. Michael Penix Jr. is a first-round pick. We just had Jordan Reed on to tell us that. When, well, he doesn't have him in the first round right now. so I thought he did. He, he has him fifth overall on his quarterback anymore. board. But oh, okay. Sorry. So J.J. McCarthy's his last quarterback. He did initially until right. Monday. Yeah. Okay. So, theoretically, Alabama loses a national championship game. All hell breaks loose. Oh, for sure. Georgia loses a national championship <laughs> game. All hell breaks loose. Washington loses the national championship game. What a season. Michigan, if they lost a national championship game, all hell breaks loose. Ohio State, all hell breaks loose. When you are a team in the championship – and I'm in no way, shape, or form am I suggesting that Washington was happy to be there, but the accomplishment of getting there is so great yeah. for that program yeah. that the downside of losing doesn't provide us conversation after the fact. Yeah, I think there was definitely um, a happy-to-be-there element to the way that they played, or at least the way that they looked, especially early. Like They just had not been used to seeing Big Ten big people. And that is another reason why I think expansion is going to be so incredibly good for college football because to win one game with a month to prepare is something that you're, a good coach can scheme up. But when you have to play effectively a tournament to get to the national championship game, it's going to weed Washington out. It's going to weed TCU out. And ultimately, I think that will be a net positive for the sport because we're going to see the behemoths in the national title game. It's also why in college basketball, I love the Cinderella on Thursday and Friday. I hate if they win on Saturday and Sunday. So I you, don't want the Cinderella's advancing past the first weekend. For you, the cutoff the sweet, is the Sweet 16. Yeah, I have no interest in, in any Cinderella going further because I sat there at the Final Four in 2006 and I watched Florida annihilate George Mason. And I understand we could look at Butler and say, look what they did. Well, Butler really wasn't a Cinderella based on the fact that Gordon Hayward's been in the league for a decade and Brad Stevens is an elite coach. But there's going to be no Cinderella in this case. It's going to be Oregon. It's going to be Penn State. It's going to be Ole Miss. It's going to be Georgia. It's going to be, it's going to be Florida State. Like that's, that's why I think 12 is an ideal number. There's not going to be one team in that field that you would consider a Cinderella. All right, coming up. We had a great rant last night in sports. I think someone on Unsportsmanlike, though, may have topped it this morning in terms of the best rants, the best takedowns, maybe. We will get to that coming up. But first, Hembo, do we have some sneaky trivia? We do. So under Bill Belichick in New England, everyone knows that Tom Brady threw the most touchdowns, and everyone knows that Rob Gronkowski caught the most touchdowns. But who rushed for the most? Who had the most rushing touchdowns for the Patriots under Bill Belichick? That's the question. We will find out next. It's Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Greeny, the podcast. Wow, okay, and how are your trivia skills? This is Sneaky Himbo Trivia. Regular sneaky or extra sneaky? The question today, boys, is this. Which Patriot rushed for the most touchdowns under Bill Belichick? All right, so Evan Conan for Greeny here. That is Hembo. Cam, Bubba, you guys go first. I will pick amongst those that you did not pick. (laughs) Uh, Hembo said I need to go third in this as a Pats fan. I'm going to try to be a little quirky and creative with this if you guys don't pick somebody before I do. So go ahead, guys. Yeah, you're once again allowed to pick. Yeah. Guesses that other people have picked. But. I know. I'm creating my own rules. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. I, I've been thinking about this. This is hard. One thought I had was Tom Brady because he was there for 20 years and he probably got like one or two rushing touchdowns every year. And I can't think of a super prolific back they had for a long time. Uh, I but like I, that. But that, I, is, that is really smart that I did not think but of. I, don't, I like that. That's I don't. <sighs> I mean, that's not bad. I don't think that's it, but I wouldn't be shocked if it is. I also I don't want to like give away a ton of stuff, but like I thought of Corey Dillon. Obviously, he was really good, but not there for a long time. And then I feel like they've had a bunch of receiving backs. I know Legarrette Blunt for him. I don't know. I'll go with Brady. Why not? Can you ask the question again? Yes. Which Patriot rushed? Okay. For the most touchdowns yeah, under so Bill did Belichick. Not say running yeah. back. I think Cam's going to end up being right. Bubba, I'm going Brady. Yeah, that's a great one. I didn't. I mean, and the reason I was clarifying earlier because I, I wanted to say. You know Curtis Martin, but that was probably you know obviously that was a Parcells guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the only one I thought of, uh, I was thinking Kevin Falk was there forever, but I don't think he had enough. He's like a receiver most. Kevin Falk is Brandon's guest, by the way. Okay, um, and the only other person I thought of was Corey Dillon. I know he had a short run, but it was a good run, so I'm sticking with Corey Dillon. All right, so I thought about Corey Dillon. I thought about Lawrence Maroney. I thought about um, James White, Kevin Falk. Those guys are more, Shane Vereen. They're more pass catching backs. Stephen Ridley thought about Rex Burkhead. Sneaky had a lot of touchdowns. I am going to go with Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. What? Okay. okay. So we have one for Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, one for Tom Brady, one for Corey Dillon, and one for Kevin Falk. The correct answer is Corey Dillon. Oh, oh my God. I should have said that. Yes. Corey Dillon rushed for 37, LeGarrette Blunt 34, Ben yes. Jarvis Green Ellis 29. 
Tom Brady. Oh, Ben Jarvis Greenhouse was high on that list. He's third on the list. Wow. Tom Brady is tied for fourth with 22 with uh, Stephen Ridley. Nice. Kevin Falk is ninth. Yes. With 15. Come on, Tom. Get in the end zone. That's I, really, I really thought it was going to be Tom, Tom Brady. Tom Brady thought so, He's so, so good at the QB sneak. Yeah, I, I thought, thought he would get so in there many more. Oh, yes. QB sneak was not usually at the one, though. Yeah, I yeah, asked that I question intentionally. I asked that question intentionally that way so someone would guess Tom Brady. You and jerk. I never thought of that until Cam said that, actually. <laughs> okay, so now. <laughs> if we I hadn't thought of Brady, I would have said Corey Dillon. I'm so mad. We are going to now have a rant off, okay? Before we hand it off to Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. We are going to have a rant off. So last night in the Raptors-Lakers game, there was a disparity in fourth quarter free throws between the Raptors and the Lakers, a, a game that the Lakers won over the Raptors by one point, 23-2. to two. That was the fourth quarter disparity between free throws. Darko Ryakovich is the coach of the Raptors. He didn't take to that last night. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. That's, that's, that's outrageous. What happened tonight, this is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees, shame for the league to allow this. 23 free throws for them, and we get two free throws in the, in the fourth quarter. How to play the game? I, all, I understand respect for all stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening? Happening over here during whole season, I've been calling the back. It's a complete crap. Now, maybe the most egregious moment there is actually calling Scotty Barnes the face of the NBA. <laughs> uh, Scotty Barnes is a great player. Scotty Barnes is going to be an all star. Scotty Barnes is someone that the Toronto Raptors rightfully should feel great about building around. The face of the NBA seems a little much, but I think this is going to end up being close to a six figure fine because he is indicating an illusion of game fixing. He is. No, that, you're 100% right. You cannot do that. You can critique the refs and say they were terrible, they missed all these calls. You could not, in a world of the great ESPN bet and gambling that the NBA has done a phenomenal job of embracing, you cannot allude to the idea that the game was fixed and maybe we shouldn't have shown up. But Hembo, wait, there's more. Hmm. A rant off. This one, maybe you didn't see coming. Dan Graziano, great ESPN NFL reporter, was on with us this morning on Unsportsmanlike, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, ESPNU, and had this to say about Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron's, you know, sort of living down to his reputation in a lot of ways uh, as a, as a, you know, attention hungry, you know, self-absorbed individual that, you know, you hear a lot of things about how he's been in the Jets building since he got there and they're positive, you know. Con artists can be very convincing, <laughs> and uh, I think if he's if he's got the Jets fooled about who he is, then that's too bad for them, and eventually they'll pay the price for it. But uh, he's obviously uh, a liar and a, a, a narcissistic con artist uh, who is bad for everything he touches, and I think ultimately the Jets will pay the price. All right, Emma, who won the rant off? Dan Graziano won the rant off. And um, that was just part of it, by the way. Go to the ESPN app and listen to the Unsportsmanlike podcast. And he, didn't even, he did not even have to forecast Scotty Barnes as the face of the NBA to no, pull it not. off. That was not. something. Um, I don't necessarily agree with Dan, but I will say this, because uh, you and I both text with friends and family and all sorts of sports fans in our lives. Dan's opinion is is not a non-standard one. I think there are it's a lot... of the masses. Yeah. like it, that's, that's consensus. I... I I hate to say, I think there is a huge portion of the landscape in this country that just has learned to turn off Aaron Rodgers or be turned off by Aaron Rodgers. And so anything that he says, anything that he does, we just have to view through that sort of 
toxic lens. I think I'm able to properly differentiate his views from his football. But I do understand that not everyone chooses to do that, and I think Aaron Rodgers opened himself up to criticisms like those. But if I'm just going to look at his football, we're coming off of a year where he did not play to no fault of his own. We're coming off of the year before where his team went 8-9, and nine, and there was all kinds of drama around that. And then the next year, this team replaced him with a quarterback that was able to win one more game, have better individual numbers, and seemingly more team camaraderie and success in terms of actually making the playoffs. So at this point in his career, I think to the idea, and, and once Dan said that I then followed up a couple of minutes later with the concept of what happens if Aaron Rodgers had a boss in essence if, if Bill Parcells let's just say mm-hmm. came back in and ran the Jets what would they do and both Dan Graziano who's covered the Jets and Giants in the NFL for a long period of time and Chris Canty 11 year Super Bowl 11 year a player in the NFL Super Bowl winner and New Yorker who played for the Giants said no we can't even go there and I said what do you mean they say they couldn't even put themselves in a place where somebody like A. Parcells would even be willing to take over the Jets. And I'm not suggesting actually Bill Parcells. What they were combating that with was that that franchise is so dysfunctional. With that guy as the quarterback, it is so unattractive to anyone who would actually have any kind of uh, recruitment anywhere else to decide to go there. So to be beholden to his proclivities and his toxicities would just turn off anybody with options is what you're saying. That's what they said to me. Wow. That's Which wild. Is interesting because this past offseason, so many players were going there. A lot of them at his behest, but like and it look seemed at every like single an attractive one of them, destination, and they all flopped. Yeah, every single one of those guys, including the late addition of Dalvin Cook, all flopped. It's true. Every single one of them: Lazard, Cobb, Nathaniel Hackett is the single worst offensive coach by numbers in the league for the last two years. They all flopped. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast.